people don't sometimes realise what, what a consultant nurse does. Um, and it's a very specific role in the UK, irrespective of what condition you are uh, a consultant nurse in. Um, and it's 50% clinical, which is kind of expert clinical, and it's 50% research uh, stroke education. Fellow Homo sapiens, epilepsy research can play a key part, like up to 50% of the role of an epilepsy consultant nurse. In episode two with Phil Tittensaw, he shares with us some of his research projects covering risk communication, climate change, and artificial intelligence or AI. He also tells us about his personal background and how that actually led him to specialise in helping improve the lives of people affected by the epilepsies. And also remember, if you haven't watched or listened to it yet, check out the first episode with Phil released last week, uh, where we spoke of the composition of the role of somebody just named an epilepsy specialist nurse, because they often do a whole lot more than their title might imply. My name's Phil Tittenser, I'm consultant nurse for epilepsies uh, up in Wolverhampton. Um, I'm also a lecturer for the University of Wolverhampton and I'm uh, chair of the Epilepsy Nurses Association for my sins. And what, what got you into the epilepsies actually? I didn't ask you that before and I, yeah, I wish I had. Mainly there was a personal reason and a professional reason. So the professional reason is I'm a learning disability nurse by background um, and People with, with, with learning disability or intellectual disabilities, we, we should be saying now, um, have a higher incidence of epilepsy and a higher incidence of epilepsy that's tricky to control. So as an epilepsy nurse, quite quite difficult to, to avoid that. I am, although I only look 21, Tori, I am old enough uh, to have trained in one of the old uh, NHS learning disability uh, hospitals. Um, so, so lots and lots of people there with, with really nasty, uh, nasty seizures, difficult to, to, to control. Um, and not, often not made any easier by, by concomitant medication. The personal side was uh, someone that, that I was uh, very, very close, close to, we lived together for, for some time, um, had uh, epilepsy. Um, so, uh, so, so there was kind of this, uh, this personal um, helping kind of side of it as well. So it was the two, two things together. Oh, it's, um, well, I was going to say it's, it's good, it's not good, but it's kind of, I suppose, in a selfish way, nice to hear that you have that personal insight as well, um, which I no doubt complements your role as uh, what, what you're doing today because you see things from a personal angle too. I, I think you do and, and I think for, for, for me as well there's a small group of people that um, would have been in a similar position uh, to, 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 to my uh, partner at the time who have very infrequent seizures there's a term called oligoepilepsy which just simply means seizures less frequently than once every six months and, and I think those people can tend to get a bit sidelined, a bit, oh, your seizure control's pretty good, actually. One in the last year, mm, that's not bad. But I tell you what, it's just enough to make a massive impact on somebody's life, not being able to drive for one. Um, so so that's, that's kind of always stuck in my mind, that, that somebody who's having one seizure a year is as deserving of attention and trying to improve the treatment as somebody who's having one seizure a day. 
and not solely treatment but quality of life as a whole I think because again it's not solely about seizures but what are the what's the impact of those anti-seizure medications yes absolutely what about the comorbidities that often come along whether it's genetic whether it's social whatever it's not solely about the seizures no and maybe maybe it's true to say we keep saying treatment 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 don't we, we probably ought to say management um or, or maybe there's another term um but but it, it really means that 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 seeing the person in the hole seeing them in the round phil please tell us about the epilepsy research that you've been involved in and also work with ppi or public patient involvement because i know a lot of your research involves that too i think it's worth just starting to say that um people don't sometimes realize what what a consultant nurse does um, and it's a very specific role in the UK, irrespective of what condition you are uh, a consultant nurse in. Um, and it's 50% clinical, which is kind of expert clinical, and it's 50% research uh, stroke educational. Sometimes I prefer to think of it as educational, um, because you can do things that are really pushing that, that educational envelope without it strictly being a research project. Um, so in terms of what I do, you mentioned the PSP, which is a huge piece of work, um, coordinated by Epilepsy Research UK, which should publish in October, um, which I've been honoured to be uh, invited to, to, to sort of represent nursing with, really. Um, and that's kind of trying to set priorities um, for researchers over the next 10 years or so. So what's important, and, and this has been... Um, an attempt to gather the opinions not just of, of different professional groups but also patients, patient groups, charities, um, really the whole spectrum of, of, of people involved in, in, in epilepsy uh, and its diagnosis, care, management, treatment, so on and so forth. Um, so it would be really interesting to see what the top ten priorities are. I mean, the, the, there have literally been thousands, I don't exaggerate this, thousands of, of questions, research questions that have been submitted. Um, obviously some are very similar to each other so it's quite easy to combine those, um, uh, or, or, or others very much stand alone. And the UK is the second country in the world to have done this, so the Canadian PSP published about 12 months or so ago, um, I believe there's a, an American one underway as well. Um, it will be fascinating to see whether the priorities that have come out of the Canadian PSP uh, are, are echoed by our own when the, the UK one publishes uh, at the International League uh, in Epilepsy British branch conference in, in October. There, there we go, a plug there for the ILA. <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, in terms of personal research, um, Anyone who, who saw our previous conversation, I mentioned a, 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 a piece of research on um, risk communication, which uh, you and I have both been involved with. Um, and, and really, I think what, what struck me with that when we started to, to analyse uh, some of the data, including cringingly, embarrassingly my own, um, is that we're not always very good at putting across what, what risks are and discussing that with people. And I think that's probably because we're not really ever taught as professionals how to go about doing it, what sort of phraseology is useful, um, whether to go in with open questions, closed questions, no questions, uh, just give the information verbatim. 
we're not taught about any of this. So actually some recommendations on how you might structure uh, an interview around risk or a discussion rather around risk um, could be incredibly beneficial for, 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 for patients um, if we've got a, an idea how to do it a bit better than we do now because it, it, it isn't as intuitive as you would auto automatically think. I'm quite involved in um, intellectual disability um, uh, research, uh, that's my background. Um, so there's something called the, the uh, UK Epilepsy and Intellectual Disability Register, which basically is looking at anti-seizure medications and how they may differ when used with people with intellectual disability compared when with you when used with people who don't have uh, intellectual disability and also the degree of intellectual disability those with the severe and profound disabilities versus those with, with, with more mild disabilities um, so kind of look at, at different ASMs and whether they are more or less effective in terms of seizure control but also crucially whether they are more or uh, uh, sorry better or, or, or not so well tolerated. So there's some really interesting research there um, and that, that's feeding into some, some wider European work as well, it's quite, quite exciting. Um, epilepsy and climate change is something that um, again we vaguely touched on Tory when we, we last spoke um, but there's a, there's a large international group um, called, not very imaginatively, probably epilepsy and climate change, <laughs> uh, which is kind of looking at the impact of, of, of climate, temperature uh, on, on seizures. We know that people, for example, with Drave syndrome um, may be uh, badly affected by, by uh, sudden, particularly sudden changes in temperature, um, which can induce um, seizures. Um, we'd like to know whether that applies a bit more widely. There's the flip side of um, do we as a, 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 a profession, if you like, uh, contribute to climate change? Can we reduce that? Should we be doing more remote appointments so that we're uh, taking some cars off the road? When we go to conferences, uh, what, what's, what's the, the most carbon neutral way of, of, of attending? Should we do, be doing more virtual? If we have to go in, in person, is it better to take a train than a plane where it's feasible? And, and, and all of this kind of stuff. And the other interesting thing, which we were talking about, Tori, just before we came on air, um, was the fact that, that sometimes extremes of heat can have even on our medication. So lots of wide-ranging um, uh, wide-ranging issues around that, which, which is quite fascinating. Um, so, as a consultant nurse, I've, I've got a lot of different projects. I mean, I've just given you a bit of a flavour. There's a couple of really interesting diagnostic ones with artificial intelligence um, that are also uh, sort of on, on the agenda. Um, we're, we're partly through one study. We're, uh, we're just submitting um, a, a research proposal for another one, um, which is actually fascinating, looking at normal seg segments of apparently normal non-contributory EEG, um, that the human eye, there's nothing there, um, but could an artificial intelligence actually see some underlying changes that suggest uh, a tendency for, 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 for seizures. Um, so that, that's absolutely fascinating. Thank you so much to Phil for his personal and professional insight into the diversity of work as an epilepsy consultant nurse and the responsibilities epilepsy specialist nurses can hold. 
To learn more about Phil, make sure that you check him out at toryrobinson.com slash epilepsy-sparks-insights, where you can find out more about him and links to his work. Also, today we have an announcement. We have some really cool gear slash merchandise like t-shirts, uh, mugs, notepads, etc., which you must check out. The link is below under the merch tab on uh, epilepsysparks.com. Uh, and also just an example of one of the t-shirts, it says, epilepsy does my head in. Now, if you've enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends, family and colleagues, because it really helps us to get the messages about the epilepsies out to the masses. If you'd like to connect, you can find me on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook or Instagram. And I'd love to hear from you if you have any thoughts about today's show. Please subscribe to Epilepsy Sparks Insights on your podcast app so that you will never miss the weekly episode. I'm Tori Robinson. Thanks for listening. <laughs>